It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to have you guys back again. Buckle up. Um, I know we talk weather a little bit at the start of the show sometimes, but man, it's going to get nasty out there for the next few days. If you're traveling, hope you have safe travels. Be smart. Make all the right choices. If you're staying put, hunker down, get some groceries, get some uh, get some stuff to do, and just uh, ride it out for a few days. We'll have some good podcasts for you to listen to, at the very least. Um, that's something you can do inside. And uh, yeah, stay warm and uh, stay uh, stay healthy and stay happy and have a wonderful holiday. Like I said, there's still a couple shows left this week. No shows next week as we take a little holiday break, but uh, that's that's in the future. Right now in the present, we got a lot of stuff to bring you today. Paul Allen from KFAN, from um, Vikings, obviously, radio play-by-play voice, Canterbury track announcer. He's got a lot of different jobs, wears a lot of different hats. Really interesting conversation I had with him um, the other day, and I wanted to play that for you just about his style this Vikings season and just how he got here, how he how he got to this position in this market. Really enjoyed sitting down with him, someone I've talked to plenty of times over the years, of course, but never had on this show. Also, a little Sam Steele appreciation at the end of the show today, too, because he has been quite a find for the Wild this season and has really uh, given them a spark uh, as the top-line center lately. And um, you know, someone who I wasn't was not on my radar at the start of the season, and so I want to catch up to that a little bit first. Though, what did I miss? There aren't many stories that I go to bed um, at night and then wake up in the morning and like I shouted. I said, "What?" When I opened up, um, I think it was ESPN that I saw it on first. Carlos Correa no longer signing with the Giants. There was some uh, some scuttlebutt yesterday that there was some discrepancies in his physical that they had postponed a news conference to announce his 13-year, $350 million contract with the Giants. Um, it was raised some eyebrows a little bit. It was a little bit suspicious, including um, because... It was only the Associated Press that was reporting it, and if, you know, a solid source, of course. Um, you know it, it, that's kind of the the gold standard. But none of the usual baseball insiders were reporting it, and it kind of made you wonder, huh? Like what what else what else might be going on here? What il- what's going on here with this story? And then overnight, news breaks that he is signing instead with the Mets for twelve years, three hundred and fifteen million dollars. So now, kind of scratching my head. Um, you're kind of looking at it sideways, like, okay, um, what uh, what exactly did what exactly does that mean for the Twins' pursuit of Correa, um, which you know was ongoing, which the Twins thought they had a chance to retain him after signing him before the 2022 season for you know what was a three-year, 105 million dollar deal, but it was ostensibly a one-year. $35.1 million deal because it had two opt-outs and Correa was never going to opt back in as long as the market was good, as long as he had a good season. And so um, I'm sitting here wondering now, okay, what exactly um, what exactly do we know now about his intentions? And I think it's pretty clear to look at his intentions right now, Carlos Correa's intentions, and know that there was never any way that he was going to sign with the Twins um, if if your take at the beginning was the Twins got played, which was my take 
from the beginning. It has to be even stronger now because the Twins' final offer was 10 years, $285 million. They had already given him 35 last year. If they had given him all of that in one lump sum, it would have been 11 years, $320 million. More money than the Mets ended up giving him for one less year. So I think you can see this right now. Carlos Correa wanted to go to a big market. He wanted to cross a certain dollar amount right now. But I think the Twins, if you know, if the Twins had known that 315 was, you know, a benchmark, maybe they could have gone there. I don't think it would have mattered, though. I think it's pretty clear that Carlos Correa was going to sign with a big market team and that the Twins were just being used for negotiating purposes. Now, the other piece of this is this is the difference between a big market team and a small market team. The Mets swoop in with their billionaire owner, um, you know, Steve Cohen, comes in and, and nabs Correa and negotiates the deal um, yesterday. And uh, he told the New York Post, we need one more thing. That's it. This was important. This puts us over the top. This is a good team. I hope it's a good team. Um, Mets are going to have a payroll of like almost $400 million next season. Like, Can you even fathom that? And that means they're going to be about $100 million over um, over the, the tax threshold, which means they could be in line for a tax bill of over $100 million next year. And you know what Steve Cohen told the New York Post regarding that? Quote, what the heck's the difference? If you're going to make the move, make the move. And that, folks, right there is the difference between the Mets and the Twins, is the difference between a large market team and a middle market team. Derek Falvey last week talking about losing out on Correa to that deal with the Giants said, Maybe that 13 years quote, that was what tipped the scales. Maybe I'm just telling myself this, but maybe it took an offer of that length to get him to want to leave, to have that kind of gap in the offers. No, I guess not. I guess it wasn't a deal that big. It was a deal shorter and and $35 million less that got him to go to New York. So I don't know. I don't know what the lesson here is in all this. I think the biggest lesson maybe is that beware when you are dealing with a big, big, big free agent that maybe you think you can get. Beware when you are dealing with Scott Boris, the agent who was only out for his client's longest, most lucrative deal. Um, always stay in the game. I mean, this was interesting because the Giants deal seemed like it was rock solid. Then the Mets obviously don't have the same problems with the physical uh, that, that the Giants did. And here we go. Now he's going to go to the Mets. So the Twins... Are, are at least the third-place team in the in the Carlos Correa, Correa sweepstakes, if not more than that. And I'm still questioning whether they really had a chance at him at all. Just a really disappointing way for this to go and a really interesting turn of events, a shocker that he is now going to the Mets. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It is my pleasure to welcome Paul Allen onto today's Daily Delivery you guys know him probably better as PA. You might know him more as Voice of the Vikings, K-Fan, um, morning personality, 
Canterbury um, track announcer. Man, you got a lot going on on your uh, on your plate. Maybe we can talk a little bit about how you have time for everything you do. But man, I want to talk Vikings first off. Um, and uh, first off, before that, even welcome. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Michael. And um, I don't know what's bigger. The Vikings come back against the Colts from 33 down or that microphone in front of your head. <laughs> it's huge. Nobody it's can one of the two. Nobody can see it because we we generally only do oh. uh we generally do audio only, but we are looking at each other via Zoom <laughs> right now. And you're looking at my giant you're looking at my giant mic. I I think a lot of it's the angle of of my uh, yeah. of my of my webcam, but it is it is a giant microphone and I appreciate uh, I appreciate that. Um so what you you've been in the middle of this Viking season. You've been calling games for a long time, a couple decades now. Um, a lot of famous calls over the years. Um, from from your perspective, being as close as you are to this, how first off, before we get into the the professional element of it, what do you make of what you've seen in these 14 games this year? I thought you were gonna say, um, you know, you've done it a couple of decades, been in the middle of a couple of big calls. How much money do you make? Um <laughs> Well, this, um, you know, this one, um, they're all different and, and they're all different for different reasons, but, but they're all in the same fishbowl. They're just under different rocks. Now, this one has been less algae filled than some others. And in, in all the years I've done this, you know, the, the 2009 Vikings with Brett Favre. Yes. Uh, granted, it, the way it ended in the NFC title game, you know, well, it wasn't preferred. Uh, but it was an unbelievably memorable season. It was sure. sort of like smack dab in the middle of my career. Uh, this one, um, this one rivals that. And I'm not going to say, you know, it's hitting me more deeply or more sentimentally than that one because that 019, 019 with Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson, rookie of the year, Percy Harvin, Jared Allen was a huge personality. You know, it, it had a bunch of rock star, big personalities and, and just iconic stars. Sure. And I'm not saying this one doesn't because Jefferson is that and, and is on the fast track to really being as big as he wants to be. But this is just more of a collective situation where, you know, if the defense is having problems, the offense hangs big numbers. If the offense is slow, the defense has picked it up. And like when we were in London and needed a spark, the rookie punter threw it to the rookie receiver, Jalen Naylor, right. and that that pumped up the whole sideline. So this has been a lot of fun. I've really, really enjoyed myself. It's uh, it's probably one of my two or three favorite seasons on the microphone or just being around the facility of, uh, of all the ones I've done. And there's been a lot of memorable calls. I'll get into those in a minute. But I mean, just the, the nature of this season, I tried to articulate this on an earlier episode, I think this week, I think Vikings fans come at seasons with a certain either skepticism or expectation, whatever it might be, whatever the tone of a season might be going in. And it felt like this one, there was a curiosity, but it was also like, I don't think people expected this to be an 11 and three team right now. And certainly Mm. the way they've won these games suggests that maybe they shouldn't even be 11 and three, just if you're going to look at it, look at it in terms of winning all of these close games, but yet here we are. So I feel like this is the the rare season where by the end of this season, I'm mean, regardless of how it ends. And if it ends with the ultimate, obviously it's going to be remembered a lot differently, but I think people have a possibility to appreciate this season for what it is far more than any other 
a lot of other seasons is because the expectations were different and the process has been so different um, than, you know, even then 2017 was like, ah, you got to get to the Super Bowl at the at U.S. Bank Stadium or 2009 was like, ah, it's Brett Favre. They got to get to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think people are treating this the same way. Yeah, I, I think you laid that out eloquently and um, and perfectly uh, because, you know, do, doing the KFAN 9 to noon show and, and interacting with fans either via Twitter, talkbacks, calls, or whatever. Uh, they did come into the season. Curiosity is the perfect word uh, for for what it was like into the season. Well, then they beat Green Bay. So that's going to buy you a lot of emotional chips. Yes. Probably through September and October, simply by beating the rival, but also beating the team uh, to beat and the target at which to shoot every single year in the NFC North. So then you go to Philadelphia and you get, and you get killed on Monday night football. So a lot yes. of people saw that the, the Dallas loss was the big afternoon nationally televised game. Mm-hmm. And once again, they got dropped. So the curiosity then went to a fascination and kind of a reserved. All right. Th- this isn't anything like what I thought it was going to be. The quarterback's numbers aren't as good as they have been, right. but he's making the best throws he's ever made in his life. Yes. Uh, Zadarius Smith sacks the quarterback, you know, once or twice every game, at least earlier in the season. But, but then when they got, when they got mauled by Dallas, I just sensed from, from the local fan base, it was mostly, okay, they're going to make the playoffs, but I've seen how bad it can look. Right. So I'm just going to follow it from afar and not get super emotionally invested until they get in the playoffs and win a playoff game. Now, now, interestingly, I moved here full-time in 98, so I'm not a lifetime Minnesotan, okay. but the, the Minnesota dwelling mm-hmm. over, you know, the worst is bound to happen with yes. the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's en vogue. Uh, it, it's a habit state, and it pops up all the time, so I understand it. But it hasn't happened that much this year no. with the people with whom I interact. Because they beat Green Bay out of the gate. The record's really good. They're already division champions. They're vying to have two home playoff games if possible. Yes. You know, maybe um, you know, maybe the one seed, who knows? So I think fans are just really appreciating yes. the different nature of what they're seeing this year, and they're just really digging it, Michael. I think you're right. And that's a that's a difference from past years because uh, my my history with the Vikings goes back probably even further and you know, into the 80s growing up, you know, watching them play. And it is a different kind of year. Um, now, you referencing coming here in 98 is a good entry point for, for me to ask you about something I wanted to ask you about. Just what, you know, what I think people are familiar with your path, but you've been here long enough. People probably forget your story. Paul Allen, how did you get this job and get to this market and what has made you stay here? Well, the, I mean, the, the only way to answer it is being a Christian and somebody where the Bible is very important to me. Mm-hmm. It honestly is through the grace of God that I have these jobs. I mean, I didn't go to college. I'm a racetrack announcer by trade. I was traveling all over the country calling horse races like I do at Canterbury Park, San Francisco, Grand Island, Nebraska, Shakopee, and I did that gypsy trail for five years. Well, in 97, KFAN was doing radio shows at Canterbury. And that was my, uh, that, that was like my fifth year there. And, um, and I was still doing the gypsy trail. Uh, Doug Westerman, the former program director asked me, 
do you know anything about sports? And I said, yeah, you know, I, I follow it pretty closely. So then I would come on their Saturday shows from Canterbury in 97. Okay. Somebody heard something they liked. The, the, um, the sports update guy, Eric Webster, was going to be out for two weeks, three weeks. So they asked me to come into Bloomington right off Xerxes and do sports updates for Jesse the Body Ventura, wow. Dan Cole the Common Man, right. and, and Chad and Barrero. So I came in and, you know, I didn't really know how to do a sports update. I mean, I'd, I'd never done radio, so I kind of did it my way and, and with a different kind of flair than I guess they were used to here, and they liked it. So I leave in September of 97 to go back to Northern California to call races. And um, Canterbury and KFAN, Randy Sampson, the boss at um, one of my best friends at Canterbury, and KFAN got together and said, let's put something together and bring Paul back here. So, you know, I didn't have a contract in Northern California. I, I really never had a contract in my life until my first one at KFAN in 98. So they put a little deal together and, um, and I left Northern California to come to what was then AM 1130 KFAN right. and the PA and Dubay show. Oh yeah. And, um, we were doing, um, we were doing sidekick Saturdays. We were going to have a show at six because Jesse had no chance. I mean, there's no way he was going to become the next governor of the state of Minnesota. But like I said, if, if you if you look at if I look at my life over the totality of it and the dots of divinity that honestly had to add up, Jesse had to win. Yeah. P.A. and Dubay had to get the job. P.A. and Dubay had to win with the job. Um, and then uh, uh, the the Vikings became bored with WCCO. I think that started in 2000 where uh, the, the Vikings wanted to do an internet broadcast and, and CBS, which, uh, which at that time owned CCO, maybe still does, well, they wouldn't do any kind of dot com with the game call. So a couple of vice presidents for the Vikings came over to KFAM, the competitor, obviously, and said, yeah. we need somebody to do Vikings games all at home, most on the road, some off TV, uh, for Vikings.com for all of our fans around the world pining for it. So Greg Swedberg, who's still uh, one of my bosses and, and one of my great friends there, uh, Greg walked into a room with like 10 people and said, here's the deal. Who wants to do the play-by-play? -play? And I said, I will. Um, and I'd never done play-by-play. -play. <laughs> so I got a chance to do some games for the dot-com in 2000, went for the job in 2001, lost to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, uh, who ran into some problems with uh, the local chapter of the NAACP for some things that he said on his radio show in San Diego. So he did one preseason game, then he was out. So they needed me on a day's notice to call a preseason game at Metrodome, which I did. Wow. Well, after that game, I'm driving to my house from the state fair, and one of the vice presidents, Mike Kelly, calls me and says, we're going to give you the job as the play-by-play -play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. I'm like, ain't no stopping us now. <laughs> well, the problem is Red McCombs, the owner of the team, then called uh, KFAN and the Vikings and said, no, 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 no. You, you guys, whomever made that first hire embarrassed the bleep out of me. So I'm making the hire now. Wow. And he hired his best friend's son, Terry <laughs> Stembridge, who was calling... I believe what was then D league basketball and Austin P baseball. And Terry came up here and it was on, it was on K fan. So now I'm doing Vikings fan line in the pregame show. And that's cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and Terry just wasn't very good, you know, but I think the key here 
is handling the loss with a plum and right. not going on PA and Dubé or fan line and being like, you know, this sucks. Well, right. because I didn't know if I was better or not because I'd never done it. Sure. Well, they played out and then they gave me the job in 2002. And, um, you know, after my first two years, very, very raw. Uh, I'm emotional now, but it was an <laughs> untrained, emotional raw. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily know if Red McCombs liked it that much, but you know, Red always had a way of keeping people on their toes. So I was able to persevere through those first two years. And here we are 21 years later, and I still have the job. And, you know, when, when you ask me that question and I'm like, I have these jobs only through the grace of God, because it's my first, my first radio job starts in a major market. My, I audition for a national football league job and I win yeah. and I'm in a racetrack announcer for 30 years. So yeah. it, um, it, it's unbelievable how it all came together. I love it here. I've always loved it here. And now I've been, now I've, I've uh, managed to hold these jobs for anywhere between 21 and 29 years. It's amazing. And you referenced 2003, the end of that year was one of your most famous calls, the Josh McCown uh, play in the, in the, against the Cardinals. Yeah, Red McCombs hated that. I'm sure he did. We all loved it, though, because it was, I mean, it, it's raw. And that is your, I mean, that's kind of your style. Obviously, like you said, it's been refined a lot over the years, but you still wear your emotions to a certain degree on your sleeve. That is how you, mm -hmm. that's how you come to the game. That's how you, that's, that's the, that's the energy you bring. And I think the people who really enjoy that, enjoy it immensely. And, and I do um, a, a lot when I'm listening to the broadcast and I happen to catch part of Saturday's game on the radio. Cause I was kind of between things. I actually, actually heard the, uh, the, the tying touchdown and mm -hmm. the, the two point conversion that, that was that was the call I heard from you and but you've had like mm. so many calls this year I mean the the Buffalo game where you yep. got some love from LeBron and some of the you know some of the other I'm people saying that. this this guy's a, this guy's a this guy's a treasure like there's been like so many games this year where you've the the emotion like it's real to you no matter what but this year like it's like elevated just the way they're winning these games well you know I know you said this is audio but first and foremost Gabe Henderson with the Vikings Entertainment Network gave, gave me a Christmas gift today. Look what he gave me. A coffee it's a, cup. It's a LeBron tweet. I love it. The LeBron That's tweet. Awesome. That's awesome. I love Where, it. I mean, LeBron, LeBron could have written like, yeah, great call. Same. I know, right? Um, uh, great energy, whatever. But he wrote my name. I mean, it was just incredible that Thursday morning I cracked open my computer and I saw that. You know, the I, I, I think... I think the only way to describe it is this is my first play-by-play -play job at any level. And it's my only play-by-play -play job outside of two wild games I called last year that, um, that I've done at any level. Yeah. So I, I didn't travel around the country hearing other people's styles, you know, and inherently pilfering styles. So, you know, the, a lot of the catchphrases that I use um, like, and he's loose or left in the wake of a keen turn of speed, um, <laughs> things like that. I pulled from horse racing. Sure. So again, I mean, there are no play by play guys in the NFL, maybe ever who also are racetrack announcers and a horse race builds a crescendo. Yes. Well, every play in a national football league game builds a crescendo. So it's, it's the same. It's just a play is shorter than a race. So I was kind. God kind of wired me to be tailor made for this. Um, so therefore, I figured I'm gonna take some of these calls from horse racing that nobody's ever heard. They're mine, so yeah. I'm not stealing it. 
and uh, put it into uh, NFL games, and, and people seem to like it. It's like, you know, and they're racing. Michael Rand pops out of the gate, <laughs> takes the three-length lead. Here they come down the stretch, da-da-da, da-da-da, at the wire. Michael Rand wins by a nose. Man, okay, so there's a crescendo. Yes. In a, in a football game, Cousins takes the snap, takes the handoff to Dalvin, shakes the shoulders, looks left, and he fires to J.J. at the 20. Crescendo. Yes. You know, so the the art uh, of of the profession uh the the language means a lot to me you know being and and you work in the newspapers i think you really appreciate this the five years that i spent at the pasadena star news Uh 1988 to 1993 okay most of it was on the desk where i was compiling the agate page Mm -hmm. and i you know i had a a pica pole and the whole thing and and i was reading everybody's stories coming in and editing them yeah. to become more pithy. So therefore over those five years, you know, cause I'm not a big reader, but over those five years, I just became really, really secure with the language, really comfortable with different ways to turn phrases okay. and how to take elongated sentences and eliminate like the word that, or, you know, to, to change a non-essential clause or, not yeah. speak in split infinitives and, you know, things like that always, the things like that always mattered to me. And, you know, I just don't think I'm not saying because they don't matter as much to other people as they do me. Um, my sound inherently is different than, than everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, I, God wired me to be unique in the first place with just the way I am, I <laughs> guess, uh, but it's naturally me. And uh, these games this year, man, I mean, 10 one-point uh, one games or one-score games, the Buffalo game and the Indianapolis game, yeah. you know, most teams around the NFL don't get games like that. That They don't get games like that over 15 years. No. I mean, and we've, and we've had two of them. In the so last month, yeah. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just ready to go. I mean, you know, it, it takes about a good six to 10 hours to get, to get uh, the, the game-calling depth chart ready. Again, you can see it. This is the game calling depth chart that has nothing on it. But by the time we play the game, it's going to be all all filled. So it's very important to me to have different nuance related information as opposed to just sharing. He's JJ. That's his eighth touchdown of the season. Seven by air, one by land, and the Vikings lead by six. I mean, everybody can get that. Right. But like with Greg Joseph, you know, it, it's he walks up to win the indie game and and the the analyst lays out and I say Greg Joseph has three walk-off winners in his career, two with the Minnesota Vikings, his last 55 weeks ago in this building against Green Bay. So just adding little things like that matters a lot to me. And um hopefully, hopefully the listeners enjoy it. I think they do, but I think one <laughs> couple final things for you, Paul, really enjoying this conversation. Anybody who spends any amount of time in the public spotlight, you're putting yourself out there every single day. There's going to be detractors. How do you handle feedback that's, you know, whether you're online, wherever you are, that's the people that, that don't like you or don't like your style? Well, it, um, I mean, I've done this so long, Michael, you know, that, uh, I mean, I'm going to get people who rip me up. You're a Homer, uh, Barney, the purple dinosaur, you know, just, just whatever they want to say, they can say, because yeah. I know, I'm not as bad ever as what they say. But then on the other side of it, the majority will be uh, just 
overly rhapsodizing what I do into a microphone calling these games. Well, I'm not that good either. So, you know, but just just being a Christian and, and having the opportunity to share the gospel whenever I get that opportunity, the the chiding, the criticism, and I guess the persecution, you know, that that I face and get from that hits me much harder than what people's opinions are of my calls. Um, and, and I try to get dialogue going on and stuff like that, but people will just disappear. So that hits me in a different way. And that, that's really, you know, it's social media type stuff. So oh, yeah. when I say persecution, that's why I put it in quotations. I mean, right. seriously, like, like I'm really going to trip out over that. But I guess it hurts me to a certain extent where if somebody's like, your calls suck, you're a homer and you're awful. Well, that's elevator music in one ear out the other. Sure. It has to be. I mean, when you, when your life's predicated on three microphone related jobs, yes. if, if you start believing the hype or believing the praise and or getting caught up in the negativity, well, then you might as well quit uh, because that you're going to obsess over it. And, and I'm, I'm cracking a different microphone seemingly every day. Right. And you know, whether I'm having personal problems whether I'm unhappy with things at work, uh, whether my 22-year-old son or 19-year-old daughter are having problems in their lives, which, yep. which really would hurt me. When, when I hit on Michael Rand and whomever has taken time to listen to these games or listen to the 9 to Noon show on KFAN or a race right. call, yeah. well, you're there for your diversion, okay? And, and you've taken time to listen to me and us. So that supersedes whatever spot I'm in personally or professionally to just pray and take a, take a deep breath and recognize there are people who may have far worse things going on in their lives yes. and they might want to laugh and they might want to hear touchdown JJ, <laughs> you know, they might want to hear something guttural and something that makes them really happy. So that that really is the guiding force for me uh, during pretty much every microphone related job I do. Last thing for you and put, put you on the spot, Out, taking aside anybody who's on the current roster, because I don't think that's fair. Do you have a a favorite Viking that you've gotten to know or gotten to uh, cover over the years? Uh, it's impossible to answer be, be simply because there have been so many moments over so many years that have touched me in so many different ways. You know. Corey Chavis, a former safety, is somebody that I've just always looked up to and I have a ton of respect for him. Sure. Chad Greenway and I have become very good friends over the years. Likewise for Ben Lieber. Uh, when I see Brooks Bollinger, you know, we, we, we get it on pretty well. Likewise with Steve Hutchinson. Adrian Peterson, you know, that the in 2014 with Adrian, I mean, that, that I think it was 14 or 15, 2015, was very difficult. Obviously, the situation with his son, Yes. was deplorable and it was awful looking and everything. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the first to say that if this is not up to me or you to judge him, you can, if you want, but the ultimate judgment comes from God. So let's just stop right there with these, you know, he needs to be flogged and, and, and stuff like that or whatever. Uh, but it hurt me because Adrian was always so good to my kids and always so good to my charities and just a very kind, fun, loving guy with me. And, you know, that that so, you know, I always had a lot of respect and have a lot of respect for Adrian, more so with what he did with my charities. Um, 
it just goes on and on, man. I mean, there are just so many. There are just so many relationships that I've had with like Bob Hagen and media relations here, all the media relations guys and, and Carly Bonk and some vice presidents like Lester Bagley and yeah, Kevin Warren, now the uh, commissioner Big of the Big Ten. Kevin yep. and I are very close. Yeah, Kirk Cousins and I, you know, we pretty much only talk Bible or faith and stuff like that, but I really, really enjoyed that. I've learned a lot from him and his father, Don. It's an impossible question to answer. That's why I asked it, because I didn't think it would have a, a clean answer, but I, I appreciate right. I appreciate the perspective. I appreciate everything here, because I really do um, enjoy your work. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I appreciate you taking the time, especially in this in this season. I mean, that you got so much going on, but also it, it is the, the perfect opportunity because I don't know where this year's going, but it's been a lot of fun so far. Likewise, Michael, a uh, big follower of yours from afar with uh, your work at the Star Tribune. And um, I appreciate the interest and I'm here if you ever need anything. Appreciate it, Paul. Take care. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. Really enjoyed that conversation with <clears throat> Paul Allen from KFAN. And uh, Vikings, obviously, radio network, play-by-play voice. Um, just really interesting to hear how his style came about, how he'd never really done this, how he just kind of grew into the role. Also fascinated me after talking to Henry Lake a few weeks ago, too, now with WCCO Radio, but started out with K-Fan in a large part. Both of them owing the start of their career, at least, to the rise of uh, Jesse Ventura to governor of Minnesota. Did not realize that was the uh, kind of the ultimate connection for for both of them. Obviously, hard work, talent uh, being the rest of the story and the, the very vast majority of the story, but sometimes you just need that one break and interesting to hear that that was the break for Paul Allen too, that kind of the, the opening created by Jesse Ventura becoming governor of Minnesota. Uh, that became the big uh, the big thing for him. So interesting. Hope you enjoyed that and uh, obviously listen to uh, Paul, Paul Allen's PA's calls on, on the radio if you are listening that way. Let's finish with the cooler. Sam Steele for the Wild. I feel like I just wanted to kind of do a Sam Steele appreciation riff here just for a minute because guy who signed with the Wild for a one-year, $825,000 contract, you know, not the, not the highest risk move, obviously, um, and not the most coveted offseason free agent. He was let go by Anaheim, I believe. Um, but the kind of guy the Wild needs in a season like this and for the seasons going forward because... Uh, you know, a lot of their cap tied up with not just uh, you know, not just their own contracts, but with the ability uh, paying out the buyouts to Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. And he's been really good lately. Ever since joining the uh, uh, the uh, Zuccarello Kaprizov line, I think he's got four goals and tennis, uh, four goals and six assists in 14 games. Just been really solid for them. He's been at the center of a lot of good things for them. As soon as he made the jump to that line, is kind of when they took off. I believe they are 12. And two since he made the switch at eleven and three, sorry, eleven and three since he made the switch to that line. So just kind of interesting to uh, to see the impact he's had. Not just him, obviously playing with Zuccarello and um, Kaprizov is going to make a lot of guys better. But he seems to have um, given them that bridge in that role and been a very important player for them this season. So. You know, a guy who was not on my radar at all to begin the season, like I said. And uh, just time to appreciate him because he's he's the kind of guy they need this year. and He's the kind of guy who has delivered for them this season. That'll do it for today. Should have plenty of talk coming up on Thursday show. Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune expected to join me uh, to talk about gopher football recruiting. Signing day is today. 
I'm sure I'll have plenty of thoughts about the Wolves and Wild, too, both of them back in action, and maybe more fallout from the Carlos Correa news. Until then, enjoy yourself, have a safe Wednesday, and we'll see you again tomorrow.